0: Hello everyone, this is Ravi and I'd like to welcome you guys in my channel. Please, please, please don't press the back button yet. Because I want to entertain you guys and you are my listeners as you are already into my channel. And this is the introduction of my podcast series that you are going to experience throughout the time. And I believe you, your pleasure to ears is what I desire and today from today I'm going to start a book reading of the famous book and the name of the book is some kind of happiness by Claire Legrand to tell you about the Claire Legrand, Claire Legrand is the American author she used to be the musician until she realized that she had a lot of stories in her head now she's the author she's a librarian and new york times best-selling author living in the central new jersey originally she's from the state of texas her first novel is the cavendish home for the boys and the girls one of the new york public Library's 100 titles for reading and sharing in 2002 well, she's also the author of the year of Shadows, a ghost story for middle grade readers, and Winter Spell, a young adult retelling of the Nutcracker, some kind of happiness or middle grade novel about mental illness, family secrets, and the power of the storytelling, is a 2017 Edgar Award nominee. Now, you got all the introduction about the content, and you are going to enjoy the time you are with me. Thank you, guys, and this is the introduction. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is a continue of the work that I'm doing right now, the project of the reading of some kind of happiness by Claire Legrand. The copyright belongs to Claire Legrand, and I don't hold any kind of profit claim or benefit from this book if i get anything then i'll deliver this to claire legrand and forward to her all the things credit or any kind of artistic work is done by her okay the first page says if you are afraid sad tired or lonely if you feel lost or strange if you crave stories and adventure and the magic possibility of a forest path, this book is for you. There are a lot of acknowledgment. She says, Mom, my forever anchor gave me the courage. And A lot of acknowledgement that I'm not going to go through because that is not interesting but you should go through definitely one why this summer will be the most terrible of my life I will be spending the entire summer at heart house with my stranged grandparents stranged nine-letter work were kept at a distance My cousins will be there too. Off and on, that's what mom and dad tell me. Oh, they pop in and out, grandma says. I hate when people pop in and out. Popping in and out is not very least friendly behavior. Mom and dad are taking me to heart house because they are having problems and need some space to work it out. This, I assume, is a euphemism for divorce, or at least something leading up to divorce. Euphemism, nine-letter word for Tom or phrase seemingly innocuous. I will be far away from my bedroom at home, which is the only place where I can be entirely myself. There is a heaviness pressing down on me that makes it difficult to breathe. It's true, I'm finding it difficult to breathe, a heavy feeling inside my chest squeezes and pulls. I rest my head against the car window and watch the world outside race by. Pale green prairies, grass, and the wide blue sky. Old barns with peeling paint, and lonely houses surrounded by cows instead of neighborhoods. I imagine I'm running through the tall grass alongside the car, no, I'm on a horse, a white horse with a tail like a banner, a horse from the Everwood. Nothing is fast enough to touch us. Mom is obviously switching radio stations, I think she probably has ADHD, which is a term I have learned from listening to kids at school. Mom has a hard time sitting still and is never satisfied with a radio station for longer than the duration of one song. Her work as an interior designer is perfect for her. It keeps her hand busy. Daddy talking about things that don't matter. I wonder if this summer will be hotter than last summer. What's a seven letter word for side splitting? I'm not sure I can get behind the new tone of this station. They like to pretend I don't sense the sniffness between them. That I don't notice how much more they have been walking lately even more than usual. They like to pretend I don't notice things. I think it makes them feel better to lie to themselves and to me. Which is kind of insulting. I may be a lot of things, but I am not stupid. For example, I recognize how strange it is that I have never met my grandparents. I do know mom's parents and her brother, though they live so far away that I hardly ever see them and they might as well be strangers. But when I ask about dad's parents, grandma and Grandpa heart, Mom and Dad fumble with their words, offering explanations that don't explain anything much. Well, Grandma and Grandpa are always so busy. It's a matter of scheduling. We are always so busy. Your Dad and I, you know that finally. I don't know Finn, Dad often tells me. Your grandparents and I, we have never been close. Through my observation of the world, I have concluded it is not normal for a girl to be kept away from her grandparents, her aunt and uncles, her cousins, as if they could hurt her. Testing myself, I inhale, I inhale slowly. The heaviness inside me has faded. I can breathe again. I glance at the back of dad's head, at mom's eyes in the rear view mirror. She must be nervous. She has never met dad's family either. She's staring her aunts and uncles, her cousins, as if they could hurt her. Testing myself I inhale slowly, the heaviness inside me has faded. I can breathe again, I glance at the back of Dad's head, at Mom's eyes in the rear view mirror, she must be nervous. She had never met Dad's family either. She's staring hard at the road sitting perfectly straight, not paying attention to me. So she and Dad didn't notice a thing. Good. I am safe for now. I will not think about hot house, or about how my cousins will stare at me, or about pretending it isn't weird to spend a summer with my grandparents after years of not knowing them. No, it isn't weird at all. I cannot keep thinking about these things. That is a recipe for disaster. I check the reflection of mom's eyes, still glaring at the road. Mom. Yes, good. I am safe. I flip past my pages of lists and to the portion of my notebook reserved for stories about the Everwood. I don't know what I will write about today. Perhaps about the Everwood's evil cousin forest, the neighborhood and their terrible thousand-year war. Or maybe about the various Everwood witch clans and how people say you can tell them apart by the smell of their magic. Rhonda, my next door neighbor and probably the closest thing I will ever have to a best friend, says I am a huge nerd. She's probably right. Given my father's love of crossword puzzles, his job as a literature professor at the university and my preference for books uh, over people, I have acquired an impressive vocabulary for an 11-year-old, but when my parents set me down to explain where I'd be going this summer and why all the words seem to fly right out of my head, I hope I can find them again soon. My notebook, the latest in a series of Tuval, has loads of blank pages in it waiting to be filled. and I. And if I'm going to keep my grandparents from discovering my secret, I will need to write a lot. He's coming. She's coming. It was the beginning of summer. There were soft breezes in the air, and the Everwood was using them to speak. The and guardians used spells and charms to wave a golden cage around the secret at their heart of the everwood but still the secret grew and darkened deep underground it reached for the roots of the great everwood trees like poison someday it will rise someday soon it will escape but those who lived in the everwood the witches and the goblins the barrows and the fairies and the wood spirits knew nothing of this they turned their faces to the trees and they listened, as they did every day. Today the message was different. She's coming. Whistle the Everwood winds. She's coming. Russell the Everwood leaves. Who? The creatures of the forest asked. Who's coming? The little orphan girl grown the trees. She carries a great sadness inside her. We must put our hope in her nevertheless. And the guardian stood at the edge of wood and gazed into the sun waiting. That's guys, that's it for today. This is the first in the first episode. Hello guys, this is the ongoing project, ongoing reading of the book Some Kind of Happiness. And you are here back. Thank you very much, I'm on the second part of the second chapter of the book and I hope you liked the first episode and if I'm I'm very sorry if I did anything wrong, any words I pronounce, you didn't understand any mistake of the pronunciation or misspelled word. I like to say sorry to the author. But not for not filling up or not making the justice to her waiting. I know I cannot fill up the mood or make the mood or touch the words as it is supposed to be. Okay, here I go. 2nd When we make our way down Brightfall Lane and Hard House comes into view. I see a sudden fall over Dad's face, closing him away from me. He's driving now. Mom switched with him at a gas station at the edge of Wellington, where Grandma and Grandpa Hart live. Dad told her outside while he filled up the car. I want to be the one to drive up to their door. I don't know if I feels like it ought to be me. I don't understand why that's such a big deal hard house is enormous and white the largest house i have ever seen in real life hidden by a sea of green leaves it sits back from the road the only house at the end of a long driveway lined with trees our car and this house and these trees feel like the only thing left in the world for the next two and A half month. this will be my world. I want to leave, I try to say, but my voice doesn't seem to be working. As we drive up to the house, we see grandma standing on the wraparound front porch beside a column, waving. Dad squares his shoulders and plasters on a smile. Mom does the same thing straightens her blouse, puts her chin up, and her shoulder back. I hope I'm not so obvious when I try to hide myself. I want to tell them about the stones pulling up in my stomach, that my thoughts are tangled and wordless. My brain does not like being brought here against my will. It is shouting at me to make mom and dad turn the car around. Grandma heart steps out of the front door onto the porch. Dad shifts the car into park. His hands creep onto the steering wheel hard. It would be okay, Louis. Mom says quietly, you're doing the right thing. Does he think I can't hear her? What would be okay? What right thing? My chest is knotted off. I feel like a person standing in the middle of the crowded street person is screaming but nothing is coming out and no one's paying attention anyway. Grandma stands there on the porch, the sides of our apartment holding up a picture. Everything looks like a painting. Blue sky, white house, bright flowers. How can the world look so perfect when I feel so broken? There are so many of them. A swarm of hearts they all have their own faces but each face has a piece of me inside it almost everyone's hair is thin and blonde like mine but none of them have mom's freckles like i do i catalog as much information as i can while grandma gives me and my parents a tour of the house seven bedrooms five bedrooms two living rooms a dining room A parlor, a kitchen, a sunroom, a rec room, a dark study with glass doors, this is grandpa's private space. Children aren't allowed inside unless grandpa says so. I'm used to an apartment in the city. This house is a planet. I hear whispers, bare feet slapping on wood floors, bodies moving throughout the house. Some of my cousins are following us, some of them camper away and others take their place. I see adult women, my three aunts, there are smiles and hugs that are honestly plain, painful to me because I am not accustomed to strangers invading my personal space. The hearts are storm, and I am its bewildered eye, I wonder what they are saying about me. I feel like I'm being dragged through a funhouse mirror maze that reflects distorted version of myself. I see two little kids much younger than me, a girl my age, another one a little older and a teenage girl. The teenager is inside a bedroom lying on her bed, playing on her phone. She glances up as we pass her open door. Her hair is a waterfall of gold rushing over the side of her. Bed. She looks irritated that we have disturbed her peace and quiet. She does not get up, and this is where you'll be staying, Kenleigh. Says Grandma, opening a heavy white door. This is your father's old room. We don't use it much. It's a lovely canvas, says my mother. I can see her work self take over. Jane Hart of Jane Hart Designs, your one-stop renovation destination. Mom silently critiques the paint, color, the fabric choices, ornament of the furniture. Over the bed hangs a miniature chandelier made of crystal and dark press. Against one wall stands shelves full of books organized in alphabetical order by author. The cottons are lace and the rug is white. The wrinkle between mom's eyebrow vanishes. She approves. I wish the wrinkle inside me could disappear so easily. It looks so different. Dad says quietly, Grandma flops a pillow, not looking at him, I read, decorated some time ago. I didn't think you'd mind, we weren't sure you'd ever come back, so I thought what did it matter? Dad drops the back of his head and says nothing, the room is full of secrets on Dad's face hanging in the air like clouds of dust, but I don't know how to read them. That looks smaller than he ever has before. Don't you think this is a beautiful room, Finley? Mom's eyes are wide, say something nice, quick. Yes, it's a quick. Blindly, the word for mighty fine. I try to smile, but it feels all wrong. Like someone else's smile is being sewn onto my face. Thank you. Grandma's smile has been plucked from the pages of a magazine. She could be an actress. A ballerina in silk and paws with piles of soft white hair. Four of my cousins hover at the door, the girls around my ears, the two little ones. I feel like a creature at the zoo being gucked at. I roll my notebook into a spyglass. Kenley, says grandma to the oldest girl. Why don't you come say hello to my cousin? Where are your manners? Hi, Finley wraps me in a hug. She's tan and blonde and perfect. She looks like she has lived right out of the ocean. She smells like vanilla. I'm so excited to finally meet you. She turned out to other kids. We all are. I'm probably supposed to say something. But all I can think about are these five pairs of strange eyes staring at me. This house that smells different from mine and it's far, far too big. Mom and dad will be gone soon. They are going to leave me. My brain has yet to stop screaming. It passes against the wall of my head in protest. I can't help it. I start to cry, not loudly or anything. I'm not one for fits. One minute I'm not crying, and the next minute tears are sliding down my face, and I wish they weren't. But I can't stop them, and that makes me cry even harder. I don't want to be here. This place is all wrong. <sighs> Grandma's mouth goes thin. She turns away from me. I'll go put on some tea. That says she's just overwhelmed. This is all new for her. Yes, says grandma. I suppose it will be. Tea is the thing. We'll have tea and get her washed up. I hear my cousins. Is he alright? What's wrong? Why is he crying? Grandma. She's only tired. Come, now. Don't stare. I'm sitting on my bed and mom is holding me, telling me things. Please stop crying, sweetie please. The summer will be over before you know it, and then we'll be back to get you. You have to be brave. This will be fun, I promise." She prized my roll of notebook from my fingers. After a while I appear to have cried myself out. My head is heavy. I can't lift it from the pillows on this bed that is not mine. This room is empty except for me and mom. She kisses my forehead and tells me I shall come down soon. She and dad can't stay long. The longer they stay, she tells me, the harder it will be for her to leave me. And this is the right thing to do, she says. She and dad have decided it will be good for me to spend time with my family. I think she sounds like she has been crying too. But I don't want to know if that's true. Once she leaves the room, I lie and stare at the sand clear above my head. Bath. This is a room for a princess, and I am anything but that. What am I? A lump of happiness? A lump of happiness? A stranger, a thing that does not fit. I can't seem to stop the poison inside me from spreading. I mean, I have never been poisoned, so I'm only speculating. But I do feel something spreading inside me. Something heavy and dark, I can't let them see it, they can't know my my secret. secret. Not these people in this clean white place, white palace. Not even mom and dad know and they never will, later dad comes in and hugs me, we'll talk every day, he tells me, I love you, he and mom are leaving now. No, they cannot stay for dinner. Yes, they love me, forever. A minute, minute later, I hear voices drifting up from beneath my window and get up to look outside. My parents and grandparents are standing by the sidewalk that leads to the dear driveway. Dad tells Grandma, finally likes her space. He speaks quietly, but I'm good at listening. She's a dreamer. She loves to write. Just don't push her. Grandma's in his square. I think I'm used to taking care of their grandchildren by now, Louise. Dad hugs Grandpa who claps him on the back. Grandpa says, It was good to see you. You look good. You look tall. Dad clears his throat. Yeah, you too. Dad and Grandma do not hug. She tells him to drive safely. When mom and dad get into the car and drive away. I watch them until the trees swallow them up. I'm alone. I wipe my face with tissues I find on my nightstand unfold my notebook and begin to write. The Everwood won't leave me. The Everwood is always right here in, in my notebook on these straight lines. The Everwood is one thing I can always understand guys thank you for listening and this is the end of part two of this book some kind of happiness by Claire legrand and see you soon and i will always welcome you to my channel and guys soon i'll be publishing the part three of the book some kind of happiness by Claire legrand thank you guys bye Welcome back people! You're the favorite people in the world. My listeners are very important to me. How's it going guys? It's been some time now that I didn't do the podcast. To remind you, I'm doing reading of the book Some Kind of Happiness and today I'm gonna read you chapter 3. I again hope that author Claire Legrand is not mad for reading her work. I would like to thank her for writing such a wonderful book. Without further ado, let's begin the chapter, okay? And here it goes Chapter 3 Some Kind of Happiness, Claire Legrand. At home, dinner is typical of a haphazard affair. Mom camps out at the kitchen table, scuffs down her food in 5 minutes, and spends the rest of the night poring over some clients' renovation blueprints. Dad sits at his desk in the corner of the living room to work on lesson plans or write the novel he will never finish because he gets distracted too easily. Every now and then he will take a bite of food, mom inhales, that text. I sit on the couch with my TV tray and my homework, usually with some kind of nature documentary on in the background. Dad says the narration soothes him and helps clear his mind. Some people might think it's odd that we hardly ever eat dinner together at the table. I like our way, though. It makes me feel grown up, like mom and dad don't have to pretend to care about typical dinner time rituals. We're all adults here. We eat how we want to eat, but dinner at Heart House is like a dance. Not only do I not know the steps, but I seem to have forgotten. How to move my legs entirely? All two well, of us sit around the polished dining room table. The room is full of glass. There's a sparkling chandelier. Of old-fashioned music plays from a long, skinny stereo on a side table. Even though the stereo looks new, the music crackles and pops. My aunt brings in dishes, soft drinks. I have a list of the hearts in my notebook, for a couple of days I have studied their names and photographs Dad gave to me. Grandpa sent them in an email. Obviously it is beyond strange to not have photographs of owns one family. When I asked Dad about this, he rubbed his head and said, Thin it's complicated, whatever that means. My aunts whisper to one another as they set out silverware. I can't believe they didn't stay for dinner, says one of them. Her face is soft and she keeps looking at me like she is terrified I might start crying again. Aunt Deirdre, deeper thought, that said. I'm not surprised, it says another of my aunts, thin and sharp all over. Her shiny blonde hair is pulled back into a tight bun. I'm surprised they actually showed up. Aunt Bridget? I must never call her anything but Aunt Bridget, certainly not Breeze. In real life, she looks even scarier than her photograph. That said, Aunt Bridget kept her last name instead of taking Uncle Ritz, which I think is pretty wonderful. I wouldn't want to give up my last name, but I'm not going to tell Aunt Bridget that. I'm not sure I'll say anything at all to her. In fact, she reminds me of a beautiful board you would want to paint if you weren't afraid it might pick out your eyes. Stop it, says my third aunt, Aunt Amelia. Long tan legs and arms, lots of teeth. She's a runner, always has been. Everyone calls her Stick, not in front of Finlay. I inspect my napkin like it is the most interesting thing in the world. Girls, Grandpa says to my aunts, holding his napkin into his lap, don't cause trouble. Bridget lean, that means you. Aunt Bridget frowns, sits, takes a gulp of her drink. The ice cube clings against the glass. Grandpa's chair is at the head of the table. He has a lot of hair, combed into stiff silver waves. When he catches me staring at him he winks, He's not very good at it. Everyone is looking at me now, which makes me want to slither under the table and eat on the floor, but I think that is probably not allowed here. Focus Finley, I must think of my list. Aunt Bridget is married to Uncle Reed, who isn't here, he's hardly ever around. That's it because Uncle Reed took over Grandpa's business, which is basically about buying and selling companies, and sounds to me like the most boring thing imaginable. One of Aunt Bridget's eight year old twins strikes Dex the boy, Ruth. Aunt Bridget snaps, Stop shaking paper on your brother, but mom, he's been poisoned. This is the cure. He has to sneeze it out. Ruth's shouting makes me nervous. I wish my notebook weren't all the way up in my room. I wish I were home. I wish... focus. Aunt D-, D is married to Uncle Nelson who draws his words and looks like a cowboy without a horse. They have two kids. Kennedy, 12 years old. The girl who looks like she belongs on a beach somewhere. Every 17 year old girl The girl I saw playing on her phone, the girl so pretty, she doesn't look real. Then there is Aunt Amelia, Stick, and her daughter Gretchen. Stick is 90% smile, 10% human. Gretchen has frizzy brown hair. Mom told me Gretchen is the same age as me. She said it in this cheerful way, like the fact that there is another 11-year-old in the house. It's supposed to make me feel better about the situation. Doubtful mom, and there is me, grandma, grandpa, aunt Bridget, uncle Reed, away on the business, Dex and Ruth, aunt D, uncle Nelson, Avery and Kennedy, Stick and Gretchen, and me, Finlay. Aunt D sets a plate in front of me and smooths back my hair in a way that reminds me of mom. I decide it probably isn't a great idea to start crying again. So I grab a fork and dive in before my body has the chance to betray me. Maybe if I stuff my mouth with enough food, it will prevent me from saying what I want to say. There has been an awful mistake, I am not supposed to be here. I am not one of you, someone kicks me under the table. When I look up, everyone is staring at me except for grandma who stands at the head of the table with her hands clasped at her waist. My lips are smeared with salad dressing. What did I do wrong? Who kicked me? I glance around the table. Gretchen shakes her head, her eyes wide. Grandpa clears his throat. Finley, here at Hart House, nobody eats until Grandma sits down. See the key. Dex explains cheerfully, you can't eat until she unlocks the meal. Ruth claps her hands over her mouth and giggles hysterically. Ruth, for God's sake, calm yourself, says Aunt Bridget. Right this minute, stop laughing. Also, you're using the wrong fork. This is Avery, who looks like she's trying not to smile. You're supposed to use the salad fork, you know, to eat your salad. I look down at my table setting and see six utensils three forks of different sizes. Two spoons and a knife. Oh, okay. Stick replaces my fork with a clean one and noses my shoulder with her elbow. Not to worry, how could you possibly be expected to know that? She smiles, but I'm not sure I believe her. It's not like Louis will teach her, says Aunt Bridget. He doesn't care about such things. He thinks everything we do is. Hmm, what did he call us? Obsessed with the superficial and detoxes Aunt Bizarre's arm Bridget, let's not do this right now. I'm just saying what everyone else is thinking and visit snaps. Beside her Avery smicks and looks down at her lap. I see a soft glow on her shirt and realizes she's playing with her phone under the table. That's enough, Bridget, says Grandma. And this is, and then she sits down at the only empty chair. We do not talk about upsetting topics at the dinner table. Upsetting ta- topics? Does it mean my dad? If he is upsetting topic, what does that make me? Grandpa leads her prayer. Another thing I'm not used to. Another thing that makes me feel small and bulky at the same time. Everyone begins to eat and I pretend to but I have lost my appetite. People are talking to me. Gretchen and Steak, whose default setting appears to be talking. Kennedy, whose smile looks like it is straight out of teeth whitening commercial. But I am too afraid to say anything much. I am afraid that I, if I open my mouth, the wrongness inside me will come gushing out. The wrongness of using the incorrect fork. The wrongness of not knowing the grandma is the key. The wrongness of the tight. jumble. not that is my insight and how heavy it feels, and how it is pulling and pushing and molding me like clay. I grab the crystal glass to the right of my plate and gulp down some water. When I set the glass back down, I see the prints my sweaty fingers have left behind. I feel a sense of deep, sudden friendship with, this, with that smudge. That is me, my own aunts and uncles, my grandpas, my beautiful, beautiful cousins. I am a smudge on their glass. Okay, that's it, guys. That's the chapter three.